0: Good morning. My name is Kaelin, and I will be reading today's scripture. Please follow along as I read Romans 6:15 through 7, 6. Well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can go on sinning? Of course not. Don't you realize that you became the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Thank God. Once you were slaves of sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we have given you. Now you are free from your slavery to sin, and you have become slaves to righteous living. Because of the weakness of your human nature, I am using the illustration of slavery to help you understand all this. Previously, you let yourselves be slaves to impurity and lawlessness, which led ever deeper into sin. Now you must give yourselves to be slaves to righteous living so that you will become holy. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the obligation to do right. And what was the result? You are now ashamed of the things you used to do, things that end in eternal doom. But now you are free from the power of sin and have become slaves of God. Now you do those things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, dear brothers and sisters, You who are familiar with the law, don't you know that the law applies only while a person is living? For example, when a woman marries, the law binds her to her husband as long as he is alive. But if he dies, the law of marriage no longer applies to her. So while her husband is alive, she will be committing adultery if she married another man. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law and does not commit adultery when she remarries. So my dear brothers and sisters, this is the point. You died to the power of the law when you died with Christ, and now you are re- united with the one who was raised from the dead. As a result, we can produce a harvest of good deeds for God. When we were controlled by our old nature, sinful desires were at work within us, and the law aroused those evil desires that produced a harvest of sinful deeds resulting in death. But now we have been released from the law, For we died to it and are no longer captive to its power. Now we can serve God, not in the old way of obeying the letter of the law, but in the new way of living in the spirit. This is the word of God to you today. You may be seated.
1: Thanks, Caitlin. Well, good morning, everybody. I am Gabe. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, this morning, I am thankful for Mitch and Les and our facilities team who helped us get a new roof last year, amen? So, yeah, I don't know if Mitch or Les is here, but man, you guys are my heroes this morning because if you guys remember, past years we're running around with buckets and we had an indoor, uh, true story, we had an indoor gutter system at one point because we were like, we're planning on water coming in the church, but we just want to see where it goes. Um, But hey, we need rain, it's always a a blessing. Um, Hey, when I was 18 years old, You know, the dating scene wasn't strong for me. Let's just put it that way. And uh, I went on a family vacation. I was home for the summer from from my freshman year of college. And I went with my mom and dad and and two younger brothers up to Tweetsie Railroad. How many people have been up to Tweetsie Railroad? Oh, yeah. There you go. Um, And that was that was like a dream as a little kid, not so much when you're 18. Um, I, I'm not sure what we were thinking would happen, but we went to that cowboy booth where you dress up like, like you're a cowboy, if you've ever been in that, you know, you put the chaps on, and they got the revolvers, and the shotguns, and the hats, and and so we actually have a family photo of us, like we're, you know, the Smiths in the 1880s, you know, taking on the West or something, and uh, it still hangs up in in the cowboy room at my, Parents' house, so you can come and visit and see that that uh, piece of fine art at some point. But anyway, we're up there, and the young lady who was manning the booth uh, asked for my phone number at the end of our session, and this was like an event that had never transpired in the life of young Gabe ever before. It was like the universe exploded. I'm not sure what's happening. I'm not sure what to do. Um, so of course, I gave it to her and. Um, but it was my home phone number because remember, there's no cell phones back then. It was when like you had to call and you had to talk to people's parents before you talked to them. That was amazing, um, and so we exchanged information and then actually decide the next week we're going to go on a date. She's at Appalachian State University. We got any App grads here? Woo! One in the house. There you go. <laughs> there you go. But represent, and uh, so we decide I'm gonna go up and I'm gonna take this young lady on a, on a date. And so this is, remember, before cell phones, before GPS, my dad had the map. And I remember this was like a part of growing up, he's like, son, to become a man, you have to learn how to use a map. And it was like, first you have to learn how to open it and then refold it and all that. So I had a map and, you know, so I f- like think that I've mapped my way from Charlotte up to App State. I get out there, and I remember I get to a certain point. I'm not sure which back road it was, but it was pretty early in the journey. And there was a, it was a fork in the road, and I had to make a choice. And let's just say I made the wrong choice, and, but was very confident in my choice until I started to see, not mountains, sand on the ground. And I had driven halfway to the beach, and... <laughs> And you're like, how can this happen? Well, just keep in mind, never let me be in charge of the directions if we ever take a trip together. So I go the wrong way, get no cell phone, like can't get in touch with her, I figure out where I need to go, get up there, I'm six hours late for this date. It was our first and only date that we ever had. But you know, as this moment, it was that like, I came to that fork in the road and I just went the wrong way. And the thing was, is it took me in the opposite direction of the thing that I wanted, and it took me, instead of taking me into a relationship I was longing for, it it took me away from a relationship. And you know, I was thinking about that story and thinking about our text for this morning, and there's this reality that uh, life is ultimately directional in nature, isn't it? Like, we're all going somewhere, you're, it's not true that you're just standing still in your life. And maybe for some of you, you feel like you're standing still. You feel like nothing's happening. You're waiting for something to happen. But the reality is every day you're going somewhere. The reality is that when we talk about what it means to be a Christian, one of the best ways to describe that journey is that we are a people on the way. And, and Jesus himself talks about this language. If you think about when he first meets the disciples, he says, come and follow me. It's an invitation to journey. When they say, where are you staying? He says, come and see. And ultimately he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, I'm the way. And so the question for you this morning is, how aware are you that you're on the way somewhere? And even more profoundly, are you aware that you are on the way not just to go somewhere, but you're on the way to becoming someone? And, and every day we make choices. Every day we come to a fork in the road, and we decide who we're going to become that day. And I forgive me for my voice. Uh, the Army team beat Navy yesterday in a stunning victory. We took the commander-in-chief trophy, but I was yelling all afternoon, and that's why my voice is, is hoarse. I'm not sick. I'm just on cloud nine from football victory. <laughs> so life is directional in nature. We're on the way to somewhere, into becoming someone, and that's what Paul is talking about in our passage this morning. In verse 16, he says, don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? And I really want to point out a few words in here for us this morning. First word is choose. Did you know that you have in your life, you have agency, you have choice. Some of us have been convinced that we don't have choice, that life just happens to us. There's a whole bunch of bad teaching in our culture that says, you know, we're just victims of our stories. You're just a culmination of things in your past or where you come from. But the reality is that we have choices to make. We we choose things, and Paul points to this reality But secondly, he says that we have a choice to obey, and we're going to get into that, that we obey someone, something, that we're not free agents in the world, that we're actually choosing everyday obedience to something. The question is what or who? And that this choice to obey ultimately results in our becoming, that don't you realize that you must make a choice to move in a direction of obedience, because the obedience is about becoming ultimately. And we're going to talk about, as we talk about a life of faith, I want to bring a word into our conversation. That word is allegiance, because when we're talking about following the way of Jesus, we're talking about following a king. And so appropriate language when you're talking about what does it mean to follow a king is allegiance. It's not mere belief. Remember, we keep saying it's not enough to believe. That's a lie. The scriptures say, even the demons believe and they shudder and yet they're perishing. It's not about belief, it's about allegiance. It's about loyalty. Whose trust are you placing your life in? And so we have this choice to make. And Paul lays out that we have choice, that we have a fork in the road and that there's ultimately two ways we can go. Way number one, which is the way of death and way number two, the way of life. And so I wanna talk about those this morning. First, the way of death. And I believe we have a proverb that we can put up on the screen. Proverbs 14, 12. There's a way that appears to be right but in the end, it leads to death. And you see in the way of death, It's a very deceptive way. We begin this journey, like any part of a journey, we make a choice. It's a choice to obey sin, to obey the voice of rebellion, to obey the voice of evil in the world. Where does the journey end? It ends in death. And Put the proverb back up, Reg. But you see, the problem with this way is that, at first, it appears to be right. The way of death that ends in death, that ends in destruction, that ends with the worst things that you can possibly imagine, doesn't feel that way. In the beginning, it appears to be right to you. And we all know exactly what I'm talking about, and that, that, like, we've stepped in the way of death before, when we've chosen the way of rebellion and disobedience against God in common things in our life when we've chosen it in the thoughts that we choose to dwell on, when we choose unkindness in relationships, when we choose not to trust God but to trust ourselves. Instead, at first it appears right, it feels good, but in the end, it doesn't lead to where we think it leads. It leads to death. But the problem is, and Paul points to this in the scriptures, he says, that once we give in, we, we let ourselves go into our rebellious nature, and it takes us deeper and further down into this life that's increasingly characterized by death. Verse 19, previously, you let yourselves be slaves to impurity and lawlessness, which led ever deeper into sin, and that's the way of death, is that we just take a little step. We just say, you know, I can look at that and inappropriate content on the internet because it makes me feel good. It appears that it does something for me. But I step deeper and deeper and deeper. And at the end of it is destruction of my heart. We can say I can just cheat a little bit in this area of my business. I can just steal just a little bit. No one will notice. At first, it seems right. It has a good result. But as you move further and further into that way, It begins to unravel you from the inside out, and it leads to death that you never wanted. You see, on the way of death, you feel free, but the problem is that you're freed from the wrong thing. You're freed, Paul says, from the desire to pursue life. Verse 20, he says, when you were slaves to sin, you were free from the obligation to do right and the world says, isn't that a great thing to be free from obligation? You see, the world says, the way of, in the way of death, it's appealing because you're in the driver's seat of your life. But the problem is you're driving yourself right over a cliff into the abyss of despair and disconnection and destruction. And you're free, all right, but free from the obligation to do right things free to go your own way. And there's one word I want you to hear as you think about the way of death and the way that that ultimately is experienced in our life, and it's the way of striving. Striving, which some of us might say, striving, isn't that a good word? We should strive for things. We should work hard for things. But what I'm talking about is an orientation to the heart that says, it's all up to me. It's all on me to make my way in the world, and I'm free to choose anything I want, and I'm the one that's choosing everything, and I'm doing everything according to my own conscience, and I'm free from any obligation to do what's right in God's sight. But that striving is exhausting, and many of you are experiencing that in your life. You're trying and trying and trying to make your life work, but what you're not willing to do is cede control of your life to someone else. To Jesus who made you, and it's an exhausting way to live. This is the way of death. But Paul doesn't leave us there. He in his this passage points to a second way, a better way. It's the, the way of life. And so we ask the same questions. In the way of life, how do we begin this journey? You see, it's a choice. You have agency, you choose. And for some of you in the room today, there was a some point in the future, in the I'm sorry, in the past, when you made a choice, you came to a fork in the road, and you chose to believe and you chose to follow the Lord Jesus. And that was a beautiful moment in your story. And then there's some of you in the room today that maybe you're here this morning because you sense that you're coming to a fork in the road. You're beginning to be curious about spiritual things. You're recognizing life isn't working out the way you thought it was and you're seeking something that you haven't found. And to you, I wanna say you're in the right place and maybe you're coming to this fork in the road, coming to this choice between life and death. But wherever you are, whether that's a choice that you made in the past or a choice that you're about to make in the future, it's a choice that you make, and it's a choice of obedience. What are you obeying? Who are you obeying? And the invitation, Paul says throughout Romans, is to obey the one who wrote the true story of the world, the one true king King Jesus and he says this journey ends in life and it's a way of obedience and we don't like that word obedience. Why don't we like it? Because it means we're not in control. It means we have to be obedient to another authority which we don't like and we reject and yet we're made for it because we're made to be obedient not just to anyone but to the one whose name is love. And you see the way of life is ultimately a way a freedom that you're seeking. Verse 23, Paul says, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. The wages of sin is death. And even in those words, you hear that? It's a transaction. It's a transaction that what you're owed Because of your rebellious nature, when you choose to go your own way, what you're owed is death. That's it. And it's a transactional relationship. You mess up. You don't meet the mark. You don't measure up. And the result is death. You start traveling down this road, even when it feels good, even when it seems right, even when the whole world is celebrating it, and you move deeper and deeper and deeper into it. but ultimately, what you get in return is death. sometimes in small pieces along the way, as your relationships unravel, as you unravel, and then ultimately in the end, when you are ultimately separated from God. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. you see the difference at the fork in the road when you choose the way of life? It's instead of a way of trusting, of striving, it's a way of trusting. Instead of you being in the driver's seat, you making all the decisions, you say, Lord, I am broken, and I don't know the way out, and I trust you, and I want to be obedient to you. And so it's a way of trusting, and it's a free gift that you receive from him. And so you imagine your posture traveling down this road is a posture of fighting your way through life. And maybe some of you feel like you're fighting your way through life. Why? Because it's all up to you. You have to make your own way in the world. But Paul says, no, there's a different way, the way of life, and I don't need to fight my way. I can move through the world in a posture of trust. And I don't need to be anxious. I can show up alive and full because I'm trusting in the one who gave me life. Well, we see this these two roads and we say, why in the world would you keep choosing this road if it's so bad and this road is so good and yet every day we come to the proverbial fork in the road and we have to choose one way or the other and the reality is we're prone to wander, aren't we? And Paul talks about this and As he begins chapter 7, it might seem a little bit strange. He's, remember, talking to Jewish Christians, and he's painting this picture of there's a way of life, there's a way of death. We're invited to choose the way of life. And then he starts talking about the law again, and he gives this example of marriage. What is he talking about? And I don't think it's complex what he's telling the Jew the Jewish Christians in those first churches is he's saying the law is a story that is too small to contain the glory that you were made for. Stop putting your identity in following the law. Why does he say that the law is too small? He says, don't you know that the law only applies while you're living? And in that, he's saying it's a story that's too small and yet it's an old and worn out road that they're familiar with and they continue traveling on. But it's a road of death, he says, because ultimately I'm following the law, but it's still me and it's still up to me. And this is the message of Romans. But look, we can't really identify with the law, can we? Like That seems like an abstraction. That seems like something in history. What we can relate to is the idea that we're prone to wander because we're tempted to move into stories that are too small to contain the glory that we're made for. And I just wanna posit that I think in our culture, the story, and we all have our version of this story, but there's a story in our culture that invites us to begin the road of death, and it's a small story, and it has two components. It's number one, it's individualistic, and number two, it's performance-based. And so the familiar, worn-out path that seems familiar to us, that's celebrated by the world around us, says, number one, hey, this road, you should travel down on it because you're at the center of your story and you can invent your own truth and you can go whatever, do whatever you want to do. And you can decide what's right and what's wrong. And it's individualistic, but the problem with it is that when you travel down that road as an individual, guess what, you travel alone which is why loneliness is at the heart of the problem of our culture is that we're all traveling alone beside each other in rooms together, but we're all incredibly alone because our culture invites us into this small story. Secondly, the story that's small that we relate to, it's our well-worn path is the path of performance is that we say it's not only up to me, but the way that I find my worth in the world, the way that I know that I'm successful, the way that I know I've lived a good life, the way I know that I count, is that I achieve things. And I don't know what that achievement looks like for you. Maybe for some of you, it's your family. You say, you know what, if I just had, you know, the spouse that I wanted or the kids that I wanted or the relationship that I'm longing for, if I could just get that right, then life would matter. It would make sense to me and I'd be on the road of the good life. But it's a lie. Those things can never fulfill you. Maybe for you, it's your job. And you say, you know what, if I could just achieve a certain place of power or influence, or just be at this place where I would be seen as somebody, then I would be worthwhile, and then I would know that I matter, and I count, and I'd feel good about myself, and I'd be on a different path, and I'd be out of this way of destruction that I know is happening in my own heart. I don't know what your particular story of the individualistic, performance-based story that's captivated our culture looks like, but I imagine that you can relate to that. And look, Paul speaks to that story in verse 4. Whoa, God is speaking. He says, amen. Amen. He says, so my dear brothers and sisters, this is the point. You died to the power of the law. And when you hear the law, I want you guys to put in its place the smaller story. You died to the power of the smaller story of the individualism and the performance-based mentality when you died with Christ. And now you are united with the one who was raised from the dead. And what I want you to hear in that is that you are united, that you're invited to travel in life with the one who hung the stars in the heavens, the one that made you before one of your days came to be. I want you to hear Paul saying, don't be captivated by a story that's too small for you. You've died to that story And please don't travel alone because you're invited to travel with the king himself in this journey. And he says, as a result, we can produce a harvest of good deeds for God. And when you hear that, what I want you to hear is that you're made for deep purpose in the world, but it's not the kind of purpose that you have to figure out on your own. And we don't serve a God who's a carnival master who has your destiny hiding under a solo cup and he's playing a game with you. And if you choose the right cup, then you win the game and you find victory in life and you find fulfillment. It's not like that. It's not up to you. We serve a God who made you, who loves you, who invites you to journey with him in the greatest story that you could ever imagine. And he says in that what I want you to receive is your place in the world where I've made you for deep and meaningful purpose right now, today. You see, when we were controlled by our old nature, sinful desires were at work within us. And the, the law, the smaller story, aroused these evil desires that produced a harvest of sinful deeds resulting in death. When you believe the smaller story, that it's up to you, it's up to your performance, it leads you to spiraling down into this life that results in death. But now we have been released from the law, from the smaller story, for you died to it, and you're no longer captive to its power. And now we can serve God, not in the old way of obeying the letter of the law of obeying the stories of the world, but in the new way of living in the spirit, that God's very spirit is here and he's with us right now today. Listen, there's a road of life, there's a road of death. We all come to forks forks in the road every single day we choose which direction we're gonna travel and it's a choice all about becoming and it's an invitation to deep life with God but we're prone to wander or prone to go the old ways. So you're saying, Gabe, what do we do? What then should we do? And what I wanna invite you into is that, remember what Paul says, this is a life, if we choose the way of life, it's a life of obedience, which is a life of discipline, which has become a bad word, but what is a great word that comes out of that same word, disciple is that you're made to be a follower, a disciple of Jesus, and guess what that requires? Discipline. And so what I want us to begin to talk about as a community is that you have agency, you have choice on which way you go. This week, you have a choice. Am I gonna go down this road of death or am I gonna go down this road of life and that I, as a disciple of Jesus, will make choices, real choices, in the way that I spend my time, in the way I orient my mind and my thoughts, the way I speak, and I wanna talk about A way, because we're traveling along the way of Jesus because he is the way. As we practice the way together, there's some disciplines that we need to encourage each other in. And the first one we're going to talk about in practice this morning is the discipline of prayer. Because prayer is the ultimate affront to the stories of the world, to the story of death. Because in prayer, we come humbly before God. And we say, God, I am broken I've got nothing. Help me. And in prayer, I'm invited to release my burdens and my striving, putting myself at the center of the story, and I'm invited to receive from God all of his benevolence and kindness and grace and love. And it's, it's an important discipline, guys, And so we're going to practice it this morning, and so we're going to do something that might be a little bit uncomfortable for us. We're going to take five minutes in being silenced together, and I'm going to invite Tremaine to come up and the band to come up, and they're going to just play quietly behind. I'm going to sit down, and I want to just give you five minutes to be with the Lord this morning, because you live in a noisy world, and it's not enough just to hear the truth. We've got to practice the way together. And so in this time, it might be uncomfortable for you. You might say, Gabe, I don't know how to pray. Listen, I just want you to close your eyes, put your hands out if, if it's comfortable for you. You can just breathe, and whatever thoughts come into your mind, if you don't know what to pray, you can just pray this. You can say, be still and know that I am God. and Just repeat that. But you can pray as God's spirit leads you So for some of you, that might be a prayer of confession of, oh God, I've gone down this road and I'm so down down far down in it, I can't find my way out, help me. And For some of you, you might not know how to travel down this road of life, but you can just ask for God's help. There's no right way to pray. God is listening. No one's watching you in the space. Let's just take five minutes and be with the Lord Jesus this morning.